Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day, and author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver. But more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Hi, we are in for a treat today as the founder and editor-in-chief of Cancer Wellness Magazine and director of business strategy at Volgenzang Law, Kaylee Volgenzang applies her leadership ability and experience to help those affected by cancer. In both her personal and professional life, she strives to champion and support causes for which she feels strongly about with overall human health and wellness topping the list. We are so excited to introduce you to Kaylee. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure for me as well. Well, it's really our pleasure. The Cancer Wellness Magazine really debuted in 2018. So tell us a little bit about sort of how you went from working at a law firm to starting this amazing magazine. Sure. So as you said, my husband and I run a law firm in Chicago. We specialize in mesothelioma, which is a very rare and deadly cancer caused by asbestos. My husband, Nick, has been in in it for about 20 years. And of those, I've been around for about 14. The publication actually started as a resource guide for our clients. Our, Our clients, unfortunately, are at a kind of a tough point by the time they come to us, oftentimes having a year to year and a half to live. And so it's truly, truly atomic for the families. And so we look at the situation as we're we're not only helping our client directly, but we're really serving the families. And so in an effort to serve them more, about two and a half years ago, I was actually sitting in my kitchen with one of our employees, Morella Stefanescu, who's fortunately still around and doing outreach for us. She and I were coming up with some ideas to promote better client services. And and we were really trying to get to the bottom of, could we um, lend some very necessary resources to this population that was in such a bad spot? How could we get some of our clients and their families to focus on some lifestyle elements that would help them out? Because we really strongly believe that with whatever life you have left, you should really try and go and, if you will, seize the day with it. But how could we move that along? Are there yoga... um, studios around that offer support services? Are there ways that you can travel and spend more time with your family? And so we started kind of conceiving these ideas and we started reaching out to some of the yoga studios, some of our favorite charities around town. From the 10 to 15 page kind of internal resource guide, the hue and cry from our uh, the organizations we were reaching out to was just wild, extremely positive and The general message was that we could not leave this as an internal document, that we really, really needed to share it, and that no one was doing anything kind of lifestyle-focused, so focusing on complementary medicine and focusing on some of those lifestyle elements that I referenced earlier. It's been quite a journey. Yes, we released our first issue in July of 2018. We're a quarterly, and anyway, we're growing. It's very, very exciting and, and wonderful to see, so thank you. We love that you started it because you saw that there was a need 
and you wanted to help your clients. And Garth and I just, we love having people on the podcast who are in a situation and they see something and then they, they make the world better because of their experience. And that's exactly what you did. And we're so impressed. So what is it like working with your patient, your clients? Because like you said, you're meeting people and when they come to you, they're sort of in the middle of it. What is, what is that like? It must be pretty hard. It is pretty hard. And well, it can be, I, I think that if you come from a good place and you come from a place that is really trying to be as supportive as possible, look, we um, actually walk our clients' families down to court. We meet with them regularly. If they can come into the office, we do so. And so it's really, it's an interesting thing. Sometimes people, people until they don't need an attorney or need a doctor, they're like, oh, they sort of live in, an, in a different world. But when we're dealing with our clients, that relationship just becomes extremely strong because with any luck and skill, of course, we're providing some infrastructure for that next generation, um, fin- certainly financially. And so the relationship really grows on our ability to, to be able to help and empathize with our clients. And I think that that's, that's really where the publications cer- certainly stem from and how we just like to do business. It's not a nuclear family by any means, but I will tell you that that it is wonderful. The numbers of Christmas cards we get to the law firm from our clients every year, it's extraordinary. I remember maybe three years back, we forgot to send a Christmas card to one of our clients and, and we actually got a call about it. Hmm. And the call was... <laughs> the call, the call was was rather significant and so and uh, in retrospect of course that that makes my heart sing so yeah I think it's just trying to take some of those positive elements that we can that we can and do work work with our clients on and, and provide and really expanding that was was the concept what have you found to be just through the magazine some of your clients favorite tips if you will to helping them feel as good as they can feel and have the quality of life that we're talking about? Well, I would say for our clients, certainly uh, making sure that some of, some of uh, the support resources are definitely helpful. I think overall, our clients respond very well to publication. When we go and bring them on as new clients, they get a copy. And frankly, if they have anything to add to the conversation, we always invite them to do so. But it's usually about support uh, services. Also, our nutrition section seems to be a fan favorite because we do little cooking videos and we explain some of the nutritional properties and why these are balanced meals that should be good for the whole family. So I'd have to say on the nutrition front, at least for our clients, I think that the kitchen is still central to what we do. And so I believe that that's, that continues to be a good hook for them. But overall, it's really expanded because it's expanded beyond our clients. We have a lot of very good feedback on a lot of different fronts as well. That sounds amazing. So are your clients, do they all, most of them, do they work in the same industry or just how are they getting the disease that they have? Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that? I, I absolutely can. So... 
Mesothelioma is caused by one very specific factor. It's caused by asbestos. And so there, there are a couple of different types of asbestos, but the asbestos form fiber, it effectively looks like a piece of a shard of glass and it has a hook on the end. And so what will oftentimes happen is in, and it's usually in industrial settings, is asbestos becomes friable, meaning that it becomes airborne and people breathe it in. And so that hook at the end, it lodges into that the mesothelium, which is that thin layer around the lung. And it actually, it lodges into it. And so of course, over time, the body in its fight for our lives, I guess, it creates scar tissue and it creates almost a shell around the lung, which ultimately leads to significant respiratory issues and then mesothelioma. So in terms of how people are getting it, it's oftentimes we deal a lot with unions. The insulators union actually used to be called up until only about 10 years ago, the asbestos union. When asbestos was found, it was really seen as this amazing compound, right? It's very heat retardant. It was being pulled out of mines where they were mining other kinds of silicate fibers. So uh, they were finding this stuff and they, frankly, they didn't know what to do with it in some cases and found that you can weave it just like hemp. If you add it to element, other elements, it will become sturdier. So you have it as a binding agent. And then of course the fire retardant. And so Frankly, it was seen as this miracle compound and it was put into the ceilings, it was put into the floors, it was wrapped around boilers and pipes and put on brakes. And so if you if you think about the jobs in heavy industrial settings where you have these huge pipes, huge boilers, you are where perhaps people are sanding brakes in well, in a large car manufacturing operations or otherwise. Uh, you can see how um, shaving down some of those things would produce that friable asbestos, which which is then oftentimes breathed and leads to this well, very nasty disease. So are people still getting exposed to this today, or do you find that this is from exposure that happened a lot, like in the past, before we had the education that we have now, or... You know, I wish that that was the case, that it was actually going away. I had the opportunity this last weekend to spend some time with Heather Von St. James, who is a huge advocate in asbestos awareness and in mesothelioma. She was actually diagnosed extraordinarily young, and she's a 16-year survivor right now. So that's, uh, which is really, really unheard of. As I had mentioned, it's really a quick downhill turn once once it's diagnosed. In order to receive a, a diagnosis for mesothelioma, you actually have to go down into the lung, take a biopsy of it, pull it out and take a look at it. And so that alone, I mean, it gives me the heebie-jeebies, hmm. right? I, <laughs> so I, there are not too many of us. I've had a number of biopsies and they were prostate biopsies, which now that I'm here, you know, I've always kind of lamented about the embarrassment and the pain involved in that type of biopsy. But to be honest, hearing you describe the lung procedure just gave me a chill down my spine. And I feel like I need to sit down and wipe my brow because that (laughs) just seems even so much worse than what I've gone through. And it's probably all the same relevance, but gosh, just listening to, to, to your description, just, oh man, that sounds awful. 
Right. So we're not getting in line for this, is that? Yeah, exactly. But I, but they have to, people have to do that in order to get the diagnosis. And I would assume that's, that if you don't have the diagnosis, your law firm can't help them. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And so it, it's extremely important to, to get that diagnosis Yeah. and, and um, make sure that that pathology is correct. And so we can verify it. That being said, back to your question about age, unfortunately, we're seeing younger and younger people getting it. And part of that is because we can diagnose it earlier. And people know what to look for in some ways. But the other part of it is the the United States has not banned asbestos yet. This yeah. is insane. <laughs> what I read are we something. Doing? Yeah, I think I read something, and you're going to know this better than I, but like just in terms of like the toxins that we're exposed to in our homes are so much higher than you know, we're so worried about what we eat and what's in our nail polish. And I mean, believe me, I'm but, worried about that too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not discounting any of that because I'm trying to be make good choices in the, those spaces. But where has the education in terms of like what we're exposed to in our homes been? I feel like it's really been lacking. I feel like it's really been lacking too. And, and, uh, I mean, we can certainly go down into that rabbit hole. It's very easy to do so. But certainly what's in our homes, what, what's in our paint, what is, right. what, is, what is in our air and what kind of filtration systems are we using? I mean, our, our environment does have so very much to do with our health. And we spend a lot of times, at least in Chicago, where yeah. we are, we spend a lot of times indoors. And so we, we really have to pay attention to that as well. And of course, if you're dealing with asbestos, um, I would say, first of all, don't touch it, don't move it, don't try certainly certainly leave it leave it alone and and uh, make sure that that you have uh, professionals come in for for asbestos abatement we actually have more cases in house than we have ever had before at Volvozang law which of course is a blessing but it's also indicative of of an issue that is not going it's not going away 10 years ago people said don't you think that asbestos is over and and i thought about it in a way i said you know well it wouldn't be the worst thing. I can certainly figure out some other ways, some other, there are plenty of other types of litigation to pursue, but that, that hasn't been the case. And so we are, we're seeing younger and younger people um, who are getting it. You can have secondhand exposure very readily, which the easiest model of course is husband say comes home from a job site and maybe a steel mill or a place where there's, there's usually a lot of asbestos sitting around and um, is bringing home his clothes and then either the wife or the daughter or someone else in the household is doing the laundry and gets exposed that way. And so we are still seeing a lot of that happen. I had no idea that that was mm -hmm. even a thing. Wow. And sometimes, sometimes people, you know, people can be working and, and there's only one way to see this particular type of stain on the biopsy so the causation is just is there you if you have mesothelioma you were exposed at some point to asbestos and unfortunately sometimes it is just people someone who's been doing who did roofing 20 years ago for the whole summer and, and had that high level of exposure and ends up getting meso 
So this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Crush Cancer online course, a 10-module online program that you can watch from your home. It's little videos with worksheets that go along with each module. It is regularly $197, but with your coupon code THRIVE, you will receive 50% off, and that means you will get the whole course for $99. The 10 modules talk about things such as you didn't ask for cancer, but now we have to deal with it, to thinking about yourself as a survivor, establishing a mantra, physical and emotional changes, fear versus faith, creating a daily self-care practice, and so many more things. You can check it out by going to crazyperfectlife.com and clicking on the Crush Cancer online course. So can we switch gears just uh, for a few minutes and talk sure. about the magazine? Please. First of all, I have to say it was incredibly brave to start a magazine uh, at the time that you did, considering the decline of <laughs> of magazine stands and newsstands and even space allotted in, in bookstores, or the fact that there are fewer bookstores today. I was paging through some of the articles, and I was, but I only looked at current information. How do you pick what you talk about, and how do you kind of focus? Do you are is there a seasonality to the articles, or is it just what's what's a hot topic or Dara and I are going to be recording a podcast soon about the colors of cancer and how we approach fall and pink becomes the, the color of cancer, uh, which, you know, for a person like me, pink doesn't really matter for your clients. Pink isn't a color either. So um, I just love to hear about the magazine and, and frankly, how do you get news out there that it exists in today's world? Definitely. Well, the, the stories come in in a couple of different ways. Certainly, we are, we are very sensitive to the different months in, of cancer awareness. And so we, we try to make sure that we're focusing on some of those, especially on the social media side, which is not necessarily the magazine itself, but, but tied in. We have chosen some topics that are pretty big and pretty uh, wide sweeping. Our next issue will be covering international topics. The following issue will be looking at pediatric cancers. And then we go back into women's focused cancers and then male focused cancers. And so at this point, because we are young, we're, we're using some fairly broad strokes to, um, to uh, source our story concepts and ideas. And so it's based on, yes, uh, some of those cancer months and what are we really moving into? Right now, of course, we're moving into charity season. And so, um, so we're sensitive to that as we cover a lot of the charities. We, we actually, we went to 32 cancer-focused charity uh, engagements just this last year. So depending on what we're getting from the charities that have their awareness months or causes, that affects it. Also, what is really going on out there in the world? We receive RSS feeds um, on a daily basis, trying to keep us abreast of new developments in terms of, well, technology and new methodologies to approach cancer, both a, on the um, strict medical frontier as well as on the complementary medical frontier. We rely heavily on the broader cancer population to send us pitches and to let us know what they want to learn about. And I think that that's probably the like the strongest way to look at it because I'm not necessarily a resource in and of myself. 
I feel like uh, cancer wellness is a bit more of an aggregator and a reflection of what the greater cancer community is looking to see and wants to hear. And so we actually, we engage via social media quite a bit with our audience. And so we get story pitches in all of the time from people who, who really want to speak about topics and, and hear about them. And so it's, it's a combination. Where do you see the future of the magazine going? Absolutely. So we're based, of course, in Chicago now. I am hoping within the next two years to expand and to create some offshoots uh, on the West Coast and then on the East Coast. So in Southern California and then out of New York and to uh, kind of shore up the Eastern and Western coastlines. And how I'm looking to do that is I'm looking to find people who are embedded truly in those communities who have a handle on what's happening and who can write about events and who can really share some local content in those areas with us, as well as, of course, providing some of that evergreen content that we're always producing in-house here. And so slowly, slowly working the coast. And then uh, we do have an app, which is great. And I'm hoping that we'll, uh, within the next five years, we'll, we'll be able to ensure that we have translation services available for that. So at least on a digital, on the digital side, we can have people in Latin America and people in France and, and in other French speaking countries start to be able to uh, read cancer wellness. That's amazing. Wow. I just want to say that definitely check out her Instagram page because as you just mentioned, you've been to all of these different charity events. Okay, you are probably the cutest guest that we've had on yeah. our podcast. So, <laughs> I mean, you here's the thing. Kaylee is like a really good person on the inside, but she's also a really cute person on the outside. So check her out on Instagram because especially like your fashion, you, you definitely have a love for clothes, don't you? And fashion because you can see that. Oh, I do. I've, I've, always, I've always loved fashion. You, you've definitely nailed me on that front. I grew up in a yurt out in Oregon, <laughs> and I grew up going to the Goodwill and putting on fashion shows from my finds there. So, so you know, things have come up. You've come, come a long right? way from the Goodwill, yeah. From, from that, from that uh, situation. But I've, al I've always loved clothes. I've always found it to be a fantastic creative outlet. And I think some of that lifestyle focus and some of some of that, I, I want to make sure that people feel beautiful. And I think that that's part of kind of performing yourself into existence. And I feel strongly that if you can look good and feel good, you're really going to be in a better spot. So I uh, try to make sure that our readers are also being given some access to ideas about fashion and about clean beauty, for example, mm -hmm. that can enable them to also harness some of those creative juices and, and still feel great going out. Well, tell everyone what your Instagram following is, so, and we'll put it in the show notes, of course. Sure. And so uh, Cancer Wellness is at Cancer Well Mag. Okay. Great. And, well, um, and that's great. We would love, love, love for you to follow us there. Um, and of course, and my, my personal is Kaylee CW, so it's C-A-Y-L-E-I and then C-W. So yeah, we'll put that in there. But for all of our listeners, she's definitely the cutest guest we've had. So <laughs> check it out. <laughs> and, you, and you guys are great. And what you're doing is, is really phenomenal. 
I have not finished it, but your book, uh, Crush Cancer, is fantastic. And I am really looking forward to seeing some more. Thank you. I so appreciate that. So, Garth, do you have a napkin note for us today? You know, so I actually struggled with finding a napkin note for this. But before I get into the napkin note, I do want to okay. I want to go back to something. And Dara, you know this about me. Dara and I joke about the fact that I really struggle with making great food choices. And I'm not I, now I'm not awful, but Dara does know that I have like <laughs> I have this love for Cheetos and and I don't drink enough green tea and things like that. And so I was browsing your website, cancerwellness.com, and I really focused in on the nutrition section. Yes. And uh, so to kind of set the stage, I work from home and my wife works three and a half or four and a half days a week, depending on the week. And she generally gets home between six and 6.30. So because I work from home, I like to at least start the dinner prep. No, good for you. Well, and sometimes I get direction, right? I like I can follow rules and I can follow guides, right? So if my wife on the way out in the morning, she says, hey, we're having this for dinner, I can get that ready. But when she just leaves and there's no discussion, I, (laughs) I have a really hard time processing the food that we have in the pantry, the food that we have in the refrigerator and trying to come up with an idea on my own. And so I was browsing and I, first of all, I was just amazed at the pictures, right? I was salivating already at the pictures that you had, but I was really focusing in on this green goddess salad. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Oh my goodness. With the pomegranates and yes. So um, it's so colorful and I was looking at it and I love radishes. Yeah, and, and so and and to be honest, I've been married over twenty years, and I'm not sure if Lisa really likes radishes or not. So I kind of well, need... you might be able to you might be able to dress them up a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm I'm kind of th- figuring that she doesn't like radishes because she's the primary shopper, and we never have them in the refrigerator. And, and somehow they're never there. <laughs> um, but I love radishes, so I, obviously I can always keep them on the side or whatever. But. Um, she left this morning and I had already stepped out to walk our dog and there's no, to the best of my knowledge, there's no dinner plan. So right away I was like, okay, let me run to the store at lunchtime, pick up some radishes and whatever else I might need to throw this salad together. Ooh, but you're going to make the salad for dinner? This is the salad Very that nice. we're going to have for dinner I love tonight. That. I love to hear that. That's amazing. That's and and um, You're making ahead. like every guy like in the whole country look bad because I mean, you're literally like, I'm going to run to the store at lunchtime to get what the, I love that Garth so much. Well, so, okay. Let's, let's be really honest. I don't think think John. Yeah. I don't think John's doing that. I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, okay. So, so again, let's, let's be really frank and brutally honest. Right. So I work from home. I have some flexibility in my schedule. If dinner prep takes too long, I can come back to work for for a half an hour or an hour after dinner and kind of finish up my day. So uh, that is a huge bonus in my life that I have. It gives me a lot of flexibility. And also, again, being brutally honest, now that Emma is away at college, I, I have that extra time. Uh, I was right. I was yeah. not necessarily the person who prepped dinner a lot. And because, I think you like it. It's like something you enjoy. 
I, I do like it for two reasons. One is I do enjoy trying new things and cooking new things. And the second reason is, is that it kind of gives me a leg up in the relationship, right? Because I made dinner, <laughs> right? So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's all about winning. Got it. Oh, yeah, because Garth is brutally competitive. So, and there it is, folks. Yes. <laughs> oh, but that, that salad, I would highly, highly recommend. I've had it certainly myself. And, and it has some really great antioxidant properties. It has the beautiful pea shoots in it. And then, you know, the golden beets, you can either do them yourself, and it is not, not that hard. You really, you get them to boil nicely, and, and then you uh, turn off the stove. At least that's what I do and let them sit. And then of course the pomegranate and hemp seeds and all the rest. I think that this salad is a really easy and great one to be able to throw together rather quickly. And so you might not have to do all the prep and then come back. um, Mm. Even better. Even better, but I do applaud you and and your efforts. And certainly I I think I have to give Nick a nudge here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see now, now, like I have just become the bearer of bad news to the husbands of America, right? I mean, <laughs> that you hey, exist. You're, you're setting, this, you're setting a new trend. This hey, was, I like it. This was ha- <laughs> hashtag make dinner for your wife. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Lisa made dinner for a really long time when she was a stay-at-home mom. This is the least I could do, right? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm at least 18 years behind on dinner prep. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm oh, just digging myself out of the hole. Way. There you go. All right, so well, um, I do. These are some great recipes. They won't take you too long. And I really wanted to stress that with with our audience and make sure that we, we want you to eat by color. And my mother was always great at saying that. And so you want to make sure that you're filling your plate with as many colorful, wonderful foods as possible. But we also don't want you to spend too much time on that preparation. So we understand how busy people are, and but also how crucial it is to have great nutrition. And so trying to kind of bridge that gap and balance is the key. I do hope, and I would love to hear some feedback about that. I will. Uh, so tonight, tonight's dinner will be the opposite of last night's. Last night's dinner was very monochromatic. I cooked some salmon on cedar planks on the grill and had sliced Sounds up lovely. some sweet potatoes and baked them in the oven and had made an Asian rice. So everything was kind of like this orange color. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds pretty lovely. It sounds I know, right? Enough. All right. So for anybody who happens to be new to the Thrive Podcast, I always share one of the napkin notes that I have written to my daughter, Emma. I've been writing them ever since she was in kindergarten. She's almost 20. Oh my God. I can't believe she's almost 20. And so I have cataloged thousands of notes that I've written to her. I, I write the notes and I take pictures of them. And so this is really in the spirit of, of your magazine and of your mission. And I wrote this note to her a couple of years ago. She's a She's been a softball player all of her life. And so many of my notes are sports themed to help motivate and inspire her. And this note is, Dear Emma, good players inspire themselves. Great mm. players inspire others. Love, Dad. Oh, and, Dad. Beautiful. Well, and I really Bravo. think... Think, think about the mission of your magazine and, you know, so what you're, you're really enabling the cancer community to take a, a slice of their life and inspire other patients who are also afflicted with cancer somehow, some way. Yes, that is so beautiful. It's Kaylee, wonderful. Uh, thank you. 
We always ask our guests to share with us their favorite thriving tip, which is just an extra little nugget of something that they do to help them thrive in their life. And I would love for you to share with us your favorite ways that you help yourself thrive. You're such a busy businesswoman and wife and mom. Um, (laughs) You know, I I, um, focus on, uh, and I'm not always the best at it, but really my, my thrive tip is to exercise. And there have been some great studies shown about exercise uh, as it relates to one's cancer journey. And even in that time after cancer, just trying to, trying to get back to oneself and get back to you. And that's how I get back to me. And so sometimes that takes a bit of an extreme turn. I love going trekking all by myself and sometimes the wilds of different countries. I also uh, just just really like to make sure that it's a priority that I do get just what at least three to four days a week and make sure that I'm kind of calming my mind and that my body is staying in a, I don't want to say peak condition, but I will, I will say in a good condition. And I think that that's so important from a mental and physical standpoint to make sure that you're getting out there, whatever that means to you. Oh, I love that so much. You talked about peak condition. I prefer the term fighting weight, right? So, weight. right. So, <laughs> so it's it's always you know you you hear about boxers or wrestlers, right? They, they they whatever their fighting weight is, boxers seem to need to go up, or wrestlers seem to go down, or whatever. But it's the readiness. Right. It's it, and that's what I think about that when I exercise, it's getting to that point to be ready to fight, even though I may not be fighting today. So I really like that. And someone actually asked me about that uh, in the gym a number of weeks ago and said, what do you want to accomplish here? What is your goal? And it was a trainer. And, and I said, you know, I like to be able to get up and and uh, be able to run, say, a half marathon uh with a month's training i like to be able to be on the ready and so i think that that's very that that's very much in align with i i like to be able to go water skiing or skiing or i love that whole concept of being on the ready and getting our bodies to a place where we feel like that so it certainly feels great when you do get to that point right absolutely yeah absolutely Well, thank you so much for being here. We will put all of the links in the show notes. Definitely check Kaylee out. The magazine is beautiful. Look at the green goddess salad, among other things. And thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate being on the podcast. And thank you so much for everything that you are doing to spread the word. Our pleasure. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life, at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.